0: The Law Report with Karen Key.
1: And a very good evening to you from tonight's Law Report program. Well, as you know, once a month here on the Law Report, we run a legal clinic trying to answer a range of questions on a number of different topics. And tonight, being the second Monday of the month, it's again time to open the lines for you to ask that legal question that doesn't quite fit into the other topics we discuss here on the Law Report. So tonight, no fixed topic, but instead, more or less anything goes. And before we begin, a reminder that if you need any information regarding the Law Report, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Law on S. But if you'd still like to contact me directly, you can email me on law at safm.co.za. Well, we've received a few emails this month, so we'll be dealing with those first and then we'll be taking your calls. So you can call us now on 0892 10 2010. 0892 10 2010. You can leave your name and contact number and we'll call you back as soon as we've dealt with the emails. Well, I'm joined once again this evening by attorney Nicolene Skuman owner and founder of Skuman Attorneys, Conveyances and Notaries Public. Nicolene, hi. Welcome back to the show.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Well, we're going to get you our We've got some things that we'd like to discuss or tips on trusts and a few other odds and ends Mm. that we'll get to in a moment. But uh, before that, let's just get down to these emails and we'll go with the shortest one first, I think. (laughs) Um, It says, a certain company provides student accommodation in the normal course of business and demands a non-refundable admin fee. They do not demand deposit. Is that legal?
2: Well, one one needs to notice one thing from, from the line used in the email, and importantly, that is the in the normal course of business. So obviously, this um, listener has some uh, insight into the Consumer Protection Act, and you are not really allowed in terms of that piece of legislation to levy an admin fee or any other fee for that matter that is non-refundable. Um, We have what they call the five-day cooling-off period. So if you've signed an agreement, you have five days to essentially change your mind and not um, pay any penalty or other charge. So one will have to look at it from a, from a Consumer Protection Act point of view, in addition to looking at the Rental Housing Act and the related provisions. So if there's a student accommodation, it's residential accommodation, and it needs to comply with that piece of legislation. So even if you haven't paid a deposit um, that is regulated by that piece of legislation and It should be invested into an interest-bearing account and all these things and refunded to you. So essentially, one will will have to first look at the agreement this person has signed. Um, By the sounds of it, it doesn't sound very above board. And then um, to see if they are compliant with both pieces of legislation. Um, If the the listener wants to report this somewhere, they can report it to the Consumer Commission, and they can also then approach the Rental Housing Tribunal if they feel they've been treated unfairly. Specifically, remember the five-day cooling off period.
1: Well, you know, it's almost like they're getting away with it by saying this isn't a deposit. It's an admin fee, therefore it's not refundable.
2: You can call it what you want. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm just saying they're trying
1: to make out that we don't have to give this back because it isn't a deposit.
2: No, sure. I I see what they're trying to do. And many of the rental agents, um, if you work through an agency when when, um, leasing any premises you also pay a admin fee that's usually for the the drafting of the contract and and the internal administrative costs but it's something completely different to what we call your security deposit which is essentially for maintenance and repair so very different one needs to look at the contract, but no, it doesn't sound like, like procedures being properly followed.
1: And I will put up contact details for the Consumer Commission and the Rental Housing Tribunal on the Facebook page, so by tomorrow morning, just let me get home from the studio first, <laughs> and I will certainly put those up on the uh, on the website. And then we've got rather a complicated question about timeshare, says mm-hmm. the, the listener says, I had a timeshare week being a shareholder at a lodge. Um, I was notified a year ago that certain actions were, were considered seeing that not enough bookings were received and thus making the resort difficult to maintain. Following a special meeting, shareholders were given limited choices. It was decided that the resort would no longer be available to shareholders but would be let. Now shareholders were promised three options following this outcome. Number one was shareholders would continue to pay levies and share in a portion of the rental. Number two was the option of a choice at another resort for the same week. Or three was to convert to other Flexi Club products. The listener says that she wanted the choice of a week at another resort, which they were offered, but they could not honor their promise, after which they gave us the choice to abandon our shares with the following considerations. Now, here's where I come a little unstuck, because she says the abandonment would only be considered by the board of directors if the amount of 500 Rand is paid in full. And then she says, no charge. Now, I'm not quite sure what the no sure. charge thing is. Mm. And then she says, the abandonment shall be effected with no consideration to the shareholder. She says, does this sound legal?
2: Well, firstly, I do agree with you. It is somewhat unclear as to what exactly the issue is. Um, and one must also remember that timeshare schemes and products are, are somewhat complicated. So we'll have to ascertain which. Type of timeshare scheme this falls in uh, into. Uh, firstly, you you get one which people sometimes confuse as being timeshare. Now, timeshare is essentially where you buy time in a a complex or a resort or a lodge, whatever the case may be, vacation time. You never actually own the resort or a portion thereof or the building. Um, however, there is a scheme called um, fractional ownership, which is you actually. As a shareholder, own a portion of the building. So you are um, also then um, liable for the maintenance, the upkeep, the levies, all these things. And, and in conjunction with that, you, you then have the responsibility of, of taking part in the decision-making process and electing your directors or trustees or however it's set up. So that's the one option, and in that case, you you actually call a special meeting, which is essentially like a company meeting, and everyone decides what we are going to do, and a resolution gets taken. So you cannot really have options be given to you where you don't have an input in the decision-making process. On the flip side of the coin, you have timeshare in its traditional sense, either at a specific venue or a collection of venues. Now, with the collection of venues, this kind of situation generally doesn't occur because they'll simply notify you and say, this is not available any longer. Here are your options to alternative accommodation. So that is usually how they'll proceed with that. This to what I understand and what I can deduce is a specific location only. And it seems that this location or this, this building hasn't been run properly, The scheme hasn't been run properly, and now they're in financial tr- trouble and they're trying to fix it without having to go through sequestration proceedings and all these things. However, with all of that being said, you you are – still obligated to pay your portion of the levy and there's an annual fee also payable so you two rights don't uh, or two wrongs don't make a right rather so you cannot withhold this payment because you are not given your your week um, and in this sense we need more information from this listener in order to say okay this is the way forward but in the interim, there are two main considerations. The one is the the governing body of timeshare um, and related agreements, and that is a, a body called the VOASA. Now, you can Google that, and they have an ombuds structure which you can report this kind of um, misunderstanding or misadministration to. In the alternative to that... There's a clear element of consumer protection here, and again, application of the Consumer Protection Act, which is a law of general application. Now, what that means is no one's excluded from um, rendering a good service to a client, giving them value for their money if they've paid you. So in that sense, they they need to comply with what is fair and what is justifiable to the consumer, being our listener in this case. So again, consumer commission, um, or you can report it to, to the body, or... The best option available would be to get a detailed legal opinion by submitting the agreement you've signed um, and all the related documents that one can see exactly how it's been set up, what are the rules applicable, and what has been breached.
1: Just the one thing that that I found quite interesting was that at the special meeting, they were given three options, one of which was a choice at another resort for the same week, and they tried to take that up, but they couldn't honor that Clearly, there's financial trouble. So, they couldn't honour that. So, she's got a a lot of legs to stand on here, not just one, I don't think.
2: In addition, one must also see if they've honoured the the National Credit Act. So, this is a credit agreement that you've entered into, um, especially if you you use first and then pay. So, if payment is deferred in any instance or if you pay your levy or your annual fee late and uh, a penalty charge is levied, again, there's another set of rules one needs to look at. But the fact that they cannot honour the option of... uh, going to another resort, to me is, is red lights, there's financial dire straits, maybe the kind where, where sequestration is the only way out. And then listener needs to reconcile themselves to the fact that they'll w- walk out with cents in the round as opposed to being refunded or so. And, and of course, on the flip side of the coin, if sequestration takes place, the credit, they will collect all the money mm. owing, being this levy and annual fee and all these things. So you'll pay in and <laughs> you'll get, get a portion else. out.
1: I'll put the contact details for Vasa on the uh, Facebook page as well. And then our last email very quickly was a listener who unfortunately slipped on some oil in a mm. very large um, store up in Johannesburg somewhere, and it, apparently it turns out after the fact that that the staff even knew that there had been the spill on the floor, so it wasn't an unknown thing. But no mm. one had bothered to clean it up. And after she'd fallen, um, the risk manager came and spoke to them and apologized for the incident, asked if she was injured, took the details, said he would call to check how she she was doing, and gave her his business card. And during that time, two staff members, two female staff members, came up, asked if she was injured. One of them went to get a first aid kit. They bandaged her right foot and her ankle. They got a wheelchair and they escorted her to the till and to the car. The next day, she went to the hospital because the left leg was very painful and swollen, and the right ankle and the foot, and she couldn't walk. They took x rays. There was no indication of a fracture. But the doctor confirmed that there had been soft tissue injury. They put an ankle bracelet on, booked her off work for three days, and in four days' time, when the ankle is, the foot is no longer so swollen, she has to go off for a sonar to go and see whether, you know, what the situation is with the ligaments, if they're torn or whether further medical treatment is to be decided on. And she says, up to this point, which was today, there's been no contact established by the store or any of their representatives, and she wants to know what legal action would be appropriate in this regard. Could you advise? on the merits of the case, where do I start, what do I do, and how does the process work?
2: Well, first things first, I think make contact with the store. Um, They should have a complaints procedure. Fill in the requisite forms. You have three years in which to claim any damages or injury. Uh, from what the listener has recorded, it seems that negligence, at the very least, has been well established. So an oil spill, I mean, that's, that's very serious, and especially in a retail setup where people walk by and, and so on. So uh, there was a duty that was simply not fulfilled by the store, and it should uh, be be rectified. They've already indicated by the actions, in my opinion, that they are willing to, to take responsibility and to... Um, to assist. So in all likelihood, a, a phone call or a letter or email to the complaints department should get the ball rolling. If that fails, the next step would be to approach an attorney and to um, institute a uh, a claim for, for bodily injury, for the trauma associated with it, the medical expenses, the loss of income. But bearing in mind that this is a, a relatively large store and they they. Have to have checks and balances in place and balance these kind of claims. So they'll be very reluctant to just pay necessarily. So if you have to go the legal route, there's a clear cost element that one needs to take into consideration and whether the expenses you've incurred justify the legal costs you'll be incurring by getting yourself an attorney and. Probably having to take them to to the high court for for the. It might not be review. worth
1: it if that's the way they end up on to It may go. not.
2: In mm. many instances, even with road accidents, um, if if you do not uh, suffer damage in excess of uh, fifty or a hundred thousand rand, it's mostly not worth uh, approaching an an attorney and and getting the ball rolling. But she definitely does have recourse.
1: Right. Well, before we get on to the calls, which are now stacking up here, <laughs> um,
2: we wanted to just chat. Well, before we go on to the trusts and things, you've got some rather exciting news at the firm. Oh, Do yes, we have. Um, 2012 was a, was a big year for us. We expanded the team. We are now three practicing attorneys, one candidate attorney. We're in a bigger office. And um, we've changed the the slogan and all of those things to embody what we believe in and and how we serve our clients. So our slogan is now essentially tailored entrepreneurial solutions, which um, basically focuses on our approach of serving entrepreneurs, of tailoring every solution that comes out of the office. So no cutting and pasting jobs, no blanketed solutions, and to provide a practical um, and economically feasible solution to the client in, in addition to it being legal. Legal, legally compliant so not just clear law but a little more comprehensive and more holistic than that so that's been very exciting and we are celebrating that at a, a very exclusive reveal event on Wednesday so uh, we'll be putting up some photographs and, and so on hopefully on Thursday on, on the the day of love um, on Facebook <laughs> so and we'll, we'll tag uh, SAFM's page so that the listeners can can look at um, the photographs and what the rest of the team looks like.
1: That's rather exciting. Oh, great. All right, before, <laughs> as we've, we've done that now, so you wanted to just give us some more tips on trust. I know this is an absolute passion of yours. Yes. Getting our house in order here.
2: <laughs> getting the house in order. Mm. I think from a business and a personal perspective, during the months of January and February, we are – all cleaning out house um, quite literally and figuratively Where we find ourselves going out with the, the old and getting on with the new And then also to uh, essentially get our personal affairs in order So with that, we, we have written a number of articles within the practice One uh, by one of my colleagues dealing with tax avoidance and evasion And in February, dealing with gambling So what happens if you oh. <laughs> if you win the lotto? Do you keep all the money? I should be so lucky <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And then um, Companies Act Compliance. uh, The deadline for for being compliant with the new act is looming on the 30th of of, uh, April. BE, also lots of developments happening there and, and we'll be dealing with that again in the month of February. And then from my side about trust. So once you have house in order with your business affairs and your business is fully compliant and running smoothly or you've gone through that growth phase and we've put measures in place to avert your risks and to make things run smoothly and efficiently, then we look at your personal structure, your personal affairs. So anything from if you're getting married to do an antenuptial contract right through to setting up a will and with the will, the trusts, of course, and um when it's appropriate to to put these in place. Very appropriate for, for looking after minor children in the event that both the parents uh, would put deceased together. Um, and also for um, maybe if you have a disadvantaged or a dependent uh, family member, maybe someone with a disability or an elderly member. So um, very useful in those instances. And then even if you own a range of properties, those are also very efficient. As a rule of thumb, we always say income generating assets do not go into trust. So if you have a house that you're renting out and you're having a rental income every month, it's very expensive from a tax perspective, from a maintenance perspective. So Make sure if you do use a trust that you speak to someone who knows what they're doing and set it up properly.
1: And all of this is in your monthly newsletters?
2: All of this is in our monthly newsletter. If you want to subscribe, you can go to the Facebook page. We, I believe uh, SAFM has liked us, the, the Law on SAFM uh, Facebook page, so you can get to us from there. Or on the website, there's a, a nice user-friendly portal where you can register. We can just pop an email and, Karen you can forward it on Absolutely, to me. Absolutely, with pleasure. And then we can register. But our newsletter is usually filled with very practical, useful tips. It's by no means a let's sell you something kind of newsletter. So we, we aim to empower through knowledge. Well, it
1: sounds great. We're going to get all this wonderful information. And the Internet's a wonderful thing. Isn't mm. it amazing? All the stuff you can find on there. Well, let's see how wonderful we are now. Let's take some calls. <laughs> William and Port Elizabeth, good evening.
0: A good evening. Uh, I've got a letter pertaining to a road accident fund.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I was injured during 1984, 17th of March.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I was, uh, gave the case to a lawyer. The lawyer then joined another lawyer and they both the one went bust. The other one proceeded. The case, he tells me, actually proceeded and it also went bust. Then uh, there was a lady from the... A uh, law society who tried to win other things. When I went to her uh, to inquire about my case, she said there are no documents about me, but she'll let me know, which she never did. And um, I have been informed that I must go to the place where they pay out the compensation. I went to a lady here in Port Elizabeth, who a citizen from uh, RAF, and she, went to, she tried to look at my ID and my face and she says it only goes to nineteen ninety four she knows my it does not appear now I was asking that um, if if I perhaps can write to the law society will they have correspondence of pre, uh, from 1984 until the present time sure. is it possible or how do I get to the uh, files whereby which they pay out? The accident victims, perhaps. Mm. There may be some information for me there.
2: Well, firstly, did you, maybe I should ask this, did you ever take possession of your file when your attorney transferred it to someone else? Did you ever have access to all the documents or did the attorney just advise you that they've given it over to someone else?
0: He didn't advise me, he joined another company.
2: Okay, and the file presumably went with him. The file yes. and all the documents, okay? Yes. Um, and and when you when you obtained legal representation through the law society, that 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 person then take the file over. I'm uh, asking this question because I'm trying to see where where the documents are.
0: Uh, you see, I, I never got possession of the file when I wrote to the law society. <sighs> they um, wrote back to me stating that uh, the lawyer said he paid me out and all that, and uh, I can do nothing about it.
1: So they, the Law Society said that the lawyer had paid you out?
0: Yes. Okay. So, so there's a, obviously a fraud, fraud case, case here.
1: Oh, of course. So it's a well, fraud case, William. First,
2: uh, first instance, I, I would say that you need to report this to the Law Society absolutely immediately. Um, and detail all that you've said to us with dates, who represented you, the fact that you don't have access to the documents, and therefore you cannot take this further on your own accord. Further to that, I would recommend that this is reported as a criminal matter. Um, If the attorney had made any statement to the law society, alleging that they had done something which they haven't done, in other words, making a misrepresentation, or properly we would say defrauding someone, then there's definitely, as currency says, a fraud case here. So you need to report this immediately and simultaneously have the Law Society try and obtain these documents. But in reality, I'm, and I'm, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, if this matter is so old, the chances that you'll get access to those documents are almost zero, which means you'll have to pursue the matter against the attorney who allegedly said to the law society that they had paid you out and you had to, I will have to claim against them and prove that um, you, you only became aware of it within the three-year period of prescription. So there's a lot of elements that you need to consider and I would actually recommend that you discuss this with an attorney before taking it forward.
0: Uh, you see, the matter which I, uh, I'm seeing about is that I've got the documents. I actually got the Was in the newspaper and all those papers were destroyed. Now I've got no documents to prove it, but uh, my case is uh, I, I was at Onjuti that time.
2: Uh-huh. This is
0: with the workman's compensation.
2: Yes.
0: They have uh, the, but oh, I believe they only have the doc, uh, document documents which show the extent of my injuries, and I don't believe they will be able to
1: assist you with those other matters. Well, at least they've got something. Yeah. Well, if you can get copies of those, mm-hmm. I'm sure that would help. Of the from 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 the workman's compensation. Yes. If you can get hold of copies of those, at least that's a starting point. At least you got proof that there was an accident. Yes. And that you okay. were injured.
2: And unlike attorneys, the, the police are obligated to, to hold on to records uh, for, for no specific time. So they need to hold on to criminal records forever, essentially. So if you can obtain details of the accident, the report and all those things that would have been filed with the SAPS, that's also a good starting point. Just so that you can I, prove there was an accident. And even the better, the, the more you can collect um, so that you can prove that there was an accident and if you can, can name names in terms of your attorneys and the law society is obligated to investigate this matter to the fullest extent. So if you can give them names, they will then take it further from there. Regardless of whether this person is still um, active or practicing or where they are at this point in time, the only problem you may have is if this person is no longer alive. But at okay, least um, give it a try.
1: Okay, so William, you just need to go to the Workmen's Compensation and to the police, and try and get as much documentation from mm. those two places as you can to prove that you were injured in an accident.
2: And then okay? take that. and then, then the take law that society. to the
1: Law Society.
0: I was I was asking them, and we had like to the law society in Cape Town or is it one good, one Port Elizabeth?
2: No, this the, it, it still works under the old four provinces. So the Law Society of of or the Cape. Of Good Hope Law Society governs the entire old Cape province, so including Port Elizabeth, you'll have to submit it to the Law Society in Cape Town. They do have a website, so you can just Google Cape Law Society or CLS, and it will take you to their website. They are in the APSA building in Adderley Street or Rebeck Street, rather, in, um, in the Cape Town CBD. And just one one recommendation, William, when you send them
1: the documentation, please make a copy and keep that copy for yourself. Just, you know, just in case it gets lost in the mail or gets lost, as long as don't send the originals, keep yes. a copy for yourself. Okay? Thank you. All right. Thank you. Good, good, night. good luck to you, to you William. You. Good night to you. Bye-bye now. Good night to you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Sure. I have an absolute horror of sending anything without keeping copies of everything. is well, <laughs> a good practice. <laughs> <It's> just me. <laughs> right. Off to Peter Marisberg. Sinzeni. Good evening.
4: Karen, how are you? Hi,
1: I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah. How can we help you this evening?
4: Well, actually, I, I've got two issues that I might need some explanation on. Okay,
1: quite mm-hmm. briefly, yeah. if you can, because there is a list I'll of people try. here.
4: Okay. I'll try, I'll try my level best.
1: Okay.
4: Okay, Italy, we were dismissed for this so-called derivative misconduct, uh, a group of about more than 200 people, mm-hmm. some of which... Are under this uh, labor broken thing, uh, now and permanent stuff, we were all dismissed at once. Now that was on the twenty seventh of September. Thereafter, I I decided to put an appeal into a business collectively, and I put an appeal. My appeal said, and it ended. My last meeting with them was on the fifth of December. So they were delaying, I would say, and and I have been waiting for their 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 decision, and they have not given any decision till today. So I'm just thinking if this delay of theirs might not have any negative effect if I am to take the matters further uh, in terms of being late or so, uh, and then this. The second one that I want to ask is about the labor broker people. I just want to ask in terms of their representative, representativity, that people who are under the labor broker, who are they supposed to actually uh, be represented by? Because it will be difficult for each and every one of them to go uh, individually to... To, to to the CCMA, is there another way maybe of of of, of handling this uh, issue of theirs collectively as well, if any?
1: Okay.
2: Well, okay. Firstly, labour law is not e- my area of expertise, but um, um, I'm sure we can maybe transfer that to uh, my colleague Michael Bagram if he's willing to to address this in maybe more detail than than I will. Um, so my answer is going to be a very general one. Um, the CCMA is the body that that essentially deals with all labour disputes. And if, if you are not satisfied with the outcome there, your Labor Appeal Court is the next step from there, your Labor Court and then your Labor Appeal Court. So uh, any collective action can either be brought to the CCMA or to the higher courts within the structure. And by the sounds of it, you are out of time. I do know that the CCMA has a time de- deadline for reports, so... By the sounds of it, you are out of time, but regardless of, of being out of time, there is a provision in in terms of our court rules as well as our alternative dispute resolution forums, of which the CCMA is one, where you can bring a condemnation application. In other words, you say, I know I'm late, but these are my valid reasons out of my control for me being late please still hear my application or please still hear my action that I'm bringing to you. I I need some recourse. And in most instances, the the CCMA or the courts then condone it, provided that you can prove you didn't on purpose um, delay the matter and that you you simply didn't go to court or to the CCMA when you were supposed to. So if you can prove that there's no fault on the delay, uh, in in respect of the the delay rather, on your part, then you you should be able to, to successfully apply for condemnation but i would strongly urge you to see, uh, seek advice from a specialist labor law attorney sooner rather than later so make that call tomorrow um even if we can refer that to Michael I'm not sure if he's or he's, he's in, in Peter to Maritzburg,
1: so it's a bit out of his jurisdiction I think maybe yeah. he knows mm-hmm. of he someone. knows of somebody there <laughs> sure. but the other
2: thing since then he
1: asked whether instead of everybody going as as sort of a group of people to mm. the CCMA, if there was not one person that could represent them as a collective yes because yes. he said they all fall under the labor brokers he said how of did course. they go about finding one person You can
2: negotiate with an attorney who's willing to represent everyone and that would decrease your legal costs as opposed to each person getting their own attorney. Um, As for the labour brokers, those are very much unregulated at the moment. But as we all know, there are uh, certain amendments coming into play with the new labour legislation, which will regulate the industry a little better than it currently is. So um, for more more detailed answers in this respect, I would feel much more comfortable if you approach a a specialist labour.
1: Senzani, so, if you can drop me an email to law at safm. and just uh, give me your contact details, and I'll speak to Michael Bagram and see whether he can recommend somebody up in your area.
4: Mm. Mm, I'll appreciate that. Karen. Okay, so I will
1: try and do that. Drop me an email, and uh, yeah, or, or I'll post something on the Facebook page, which is Law on SaFM, and I'll I'll see what I can do about getting a referral to somebody in Peter Maritzburg for you.
2: And because you're already oh, okay. late, do it do, do it, it sooner rather than later. Okes and oh, Zenig, good luck to you. Thanks thank for the you call. Good luck. good luck. All right, good All right.
1: night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Off to Ladysmith now. Mandla, good evening. Oh, good evening. How are you? Very well, thanks. Mm. How are you? How can we help? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. I'll
5: try to be short. The weather is so bad here. Oh, it's don't say. Sh- so. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll try to be short. Um, uh, I've got a concern here. Um, I'm a World Committee member in one of the areas uh, in Ladysmith, which is a rural area. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, unfortunately, what happened, I wasn't around in the area those days. But when I came back, uh, there's a farm that is situa- situated next to the area, where, next to the community where I stay. And uh, there's a lot of them inside that farm. So when I came back, I, I-, I-, I received uh, messages that no from the community, are coming to complain to me that uh, there are dogs being shot there inside the farm. In fact, uh, some people from surrounding areas came and hunt illegally in, in the farm. So the guards, I believe that it's the guards and the farmer that shot the dogs. And what happened? They shot the dogs and they hung them there on the front of the farm. And uh, next to the community's crawls, homestead, because the farm is just situated. The, the fence is situated about five meters away from the community. We've got children here uh, uh, that are playing. They can't even play now because the whole smelling comes to the area. So I don't know what course can I take because I did go to the uh, local newspaper, but uh, I, I think they were too biased because uh, I, I didn't get any assistance. They uh, even contacted the police station, uh, spoke to someone there. He said, no, because I'm the third person, I can't even open a a formal complaint. Even the the anti cruelty League knew about the problem, but they didn't even uh, take any further steps.
1: I was no, going to. I, I was. Know. I was going to suggest you contact the SBCA, because I yeah. know here in Cape Town, if you phone them with something like that, they would have their law enforcement division there. Like yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. Do you not have an SBCA in in Ladysmith? Um, um uh,
5: It's Ladysmith in KZN.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But do you not have? Do you not yeah. have an SBCA? Yeah. There's, there's an,
5: an uh, uh, animal anti-cruelty look. They knew about the problem. What uh, they said, they said that no, uh, uh, the farmer, is. it's all right for the farmer to shoot the dogs like that because I'm talking to, they are still hanging there. It's about two months, the dogs hanging there. They just shot them and hung them on the fence.
1: Now, I, I would actually look in the phone book for an SBCA, yes. Manda, because they yeah. would they will take action. They have a law enforcement division, yes. and they will yeah. look look up the SBCA and phone them and tell them what's going on there. Because you can't go around shooting dogs and hanging them on a fence. I mean, no, no yeah. sure. it's just not acceptable.
2: Sure. Okay.
1: Okay. What, I mean, does he have any other recourse? I mean,
2: well, if if it was your dog, then then no, it's it damage the property, but then you could could um, institute civil action if um, you, there's no criminal element into it, so the police can't really get mm-hmm. involved, um, it's really something for the SPCA or a like institution to deal I'm with. I'm
1: surprised the Animal Anti-Cruelty yeah. League didn't get involved, but try the SPCA, yeah, sorry, I would Karen, imagine. Uh,
5: sorry, Karen, because I even went to the police station, we tried to check on the computers or uh, if uh, the way cases opened. They went, the, the farmer didn't even open the case, even the owners of the dogs, they didn't even open cases, but I heard that the owners of the dogs they were heavily beaten, assaulted. Uh, So I don't know, because now the people come to complain to me because I'm the one who is... Around the area, who is the Lord committee member?
2: Mm. But if the people so, are
1: getting bitten, um, that is a yeah. criminal case. Mm. Yeah. That, that they can yeah. take to the police.
2: No, of course, mm. of course. Yeah. And if you know That's whose true. dog it is, you can have a you can institute a civil action. You know, it's 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 like someone mm. who who would, would hit you with their being car. assaulted or, yeah, or, or something whatever. similar. Yeah. Yeah. So they there are recourse if you know whose dogs it is, and if the dogs were um, biting someone, or for that matter, if the dogs were trespassing on on. Someone's property, then there would be um, criminal and civil recourse. But where it's only cruelty, like by the sounds of it, this is it, it's truly something for the SPCA to deal with.
1: Okay. get Thank in you touch with much. them in the uh, morning, Mandla, please. Okay, I don't want Thank them doing you. that anymore.
2: Thank you, thanks for the call. Okay.
1: Good luck, good night to you, Christy in Lambert's Bay. Good evening,
6: hello, good evening. I want to ask something about living right, what's it called, and so mm-hmm. my yes. sister i got a living right, she abandoned the, uh, I've been living in a living right since now, uh, 2000. She yes. abandoned the place, when uh, she's been to America before, she's American citizens. She abandoned the place and she left the place to me. The, a developer came around and developed a gold estate with also a holiday resort. It's two to three hectares around the house, I'm in the middle of the place. And um, uh, about a year ago, she was still paying my scum power, and she kept, uh, stopped paying that also. The house needs attention. I'm living I'm all by myself, alone in the place. And uh, she's uncontactable in, in America. Tried so mm-hmm. several times, she doesn't email address. She doesn't act, um, come back to me. I want to know from the developer, at one stage, uh, to remove the fences and to, uh, put, want to develop uh, onto this estate. But she I didn't want to. But have I got the right, if she um, abandoned the place, to let out this place to the developer for semi permanent places, things like uh, caravan parks or mm. parts of the golf course?
2: Well, it would largely depend on, on what type of, of um, li- as you call it, life, right, um, ha- has been established. You, broadly speaking, we have two two kinds, uh, in Latin, habitatio and usufruct. Now, usufruct means you can uh, stay and the fruits of of the property become this your property. usufruct, that's correct. Usufruct, okay. Now, essentially, then, that means you can, as the holder of the usufruct, you can uh, enjoy all the fruits so you know let's take a farm for example if you would cultivate the land and you would then sell the produce then you would be entitled to keep the money you realize from selling that's the that produce i do know yes, but I'm,
6: okay. not, I'm old i'm not able to
2: okay but but um, i'm just trying to explain the basis yeah, of the legal really, position really for well you to first
6: talk about that I know that's very important okay and, um, now that. there's
2: a difference between the the holder of the usufruct or the habitatio if it was in another in another instance uh, and the actual owner Which we call the bare dominion holder. Now, the bare dominion holder is actually the person who owns the property. So, you cannot alienate or sell or portion or do anything to a property of which you are not the owner. It's like a tenant in your property wanting to um, make structural changes without your permission. Um, So, in a nutshell, no, you can't. Yes. So if if you're not the owner, in other words, the bare dominium holder of the property, the registered owner on the title deed, you cannot do anything with that that property and neither can the usufruct holder without the owner's consent. So you need the owner, the actual owner of the property to consent, not the person who owns the usufruct because they only have right of use and of of, uh, keeping the fruits.
6: And the living right as well.
2: Yes, so you right. need you need to. Um, I need to see how the property is registered in order to properly yes, advise the you. This
6: property is re- not rezoned. it still is a, part. It's a part, but surrounding uh, right around me is rezoned to zone two
2: already. No, it's yes. it's not about the zoning. It's about who owns it and who's allowed to use it. So yeah. owner would be bare dominium holder. Let's say Mr. A owns, but in in. Um, the, okay, let's take a very concrete example. A and B are married. They both die and they leave their property, being this farm, to their son. He owns it, but their daughter can use it and live in it until she dies. Correct. So it, the, the owner. What
6: to my sister? Yes. And, but uh, she abandoned it, I moved in uh, instead of her moving in. Yes. And uh, she abandoned it.
2: Yes, sir, but, but in, no didn't
6: thing for me or anything. No. Stay, just put me, uh, on the
2: word. From what I understand, she's the holder of the, the right of use. And she, in other words, isn't entitled to change the terms and to put someone else in, into the property. So technically speaking, you're living there illegally. So you also yes. cannot in, ch- in turn do anything to the property. If what, all, if what you're saying is, as I understand it, I cannot confirm this until I've seen the title deed and the will. Because these things are usually created in wills. But it's not
6: such a, it's not such a thing. is the only one to live here. It doesn't say actually
1: anything that she's not allowed to have anybody. But, uh, but it doesn't, to, saying, um, Christine, it it doesn't, doesn't have, have to say it. It's
2: part of the nature of the, the concept of usufruct. So can if I, you have uh, more questions and, uh,
6: sent... Can the owner take the place over if she yes. abandoned it completely?
2: Yes, the owner is the one who has to make the call on this. Not you or, or your sister.
6: But owner, if you the want owner us, owner is asking me now if you can. Uh, you can't consent. some of the parts of the property. No, you can't consent.
2: No. Not from what you're telling me. So, if you want me to have a look, you're more than welcome. My my email address is inquiries.
6: I'm not interliterate. Uh, inter- okay. no
2: Otherwise, you, uh, my my phone number. If you have a PIN with you.
6: I do have your phone number. I've listened to it already. Okay,
2: then you can give me a call, and and you can maybe fax or post the title deed to me, and then we can take this this off the air, and I can give you detailed advice suited to to your specific circumstances. Because what I've told you now is how the general position the works, and how the the general nature of this right operates. This okay. This is
6: a bit different, what I was told before that uh, and so on. I'm not so sure at the moment. He's already paying me for uh um, for some of the greens what is developed on the thing uh, the first owner a
2: you, you can be in some serious trouble if you're not allowed to receive those money so I would strongly I recommend I
6: put it on paper
2: I, he also put that's a, good
6: a 150 meter cable for me uh for electricity also.
2: I would recommend that you really speak to someone. If you don't want to speak to me, that's fine. Then, then go to an attorney oh, okay, new area. I am not an
6: but I want to come to the law society in Cape Town, see if I can get a I tell attorney, because I'm only an old age Sure, I can
1: okay. okay. do that. Okay, Christopher. We'll get in touch. Yeah, like yeah, get in touch with somebody. And we, unfortunately, we can't go on any further with thank it until until uh, Nicoline or somebody sees the the documents. But thank you for getting through to us. After Peter Maris, now Zodwo, Good evening. Good evening. Hi, how can we help you, Zadwa?
3: Um, well, mine is about, uh, well, I don't know whether to call it divorce or something, but I got married in um, 1989, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it was customary marriage, and um, uh, and we separated in 19, uh, 1991, um, and that separation has just, been, been like that for, for all these years, but there's never been a divorce. I think because I was just afraid. The guy is, um, he, he studied law, so I, I just looked at myself and I thought that I, I didn't stand a chance of, of winning. But when eventually I decided that I wanted to take the case up and, and just deal with it once and for all, I checked with um, Home Affairs uh in joburg and pretoria and eventually in durban and everywhere i checked i found that my uh name had never changed um obviously i didn't know that you know i needed to register the marriage mm-hmm. myself um so oh. always it came up as as single mm-hmm. <laughs> so so um When I tried to speak, I think I went to the vets law clinic at some point and I needed assistance and they said to me uh, they couldn't assist. Um, The other people who advised me, they said what I needed to do was to register the marriage first before I could then, you know, uh, start the process of uh, a divorce. And I thought that was, you know, just too much. Um, and, you know, it's been very difficult to, to just carry on with this, this whole thing because I know that I don't want the marriage anymore. Uh, but this thing of, of having to register the marriage and then divorcing, I, I just found it a bit,
1: you know, daunting. Okay, well, let's see what Nicolene has to say.
2: Well, again, firstly, this is not my area of expertise. I'm, I'm not a family law attorney um, by by field of expertise. But, um Essentially, the the law of having to to register customary marriages only came into being in the 90s. Um, I stand to be corrected. It was later in the 90s, 1996. If I'm not mistaken. I stand to be corrected. I I can check that in the morning. And only from that point onwards were you actually obligated to register. And you also had to register within a period of 12 months from that enactment. So give or take 1997 was your cutoff date. So I... From the cuff, I, I do not agree with the advice you've been given that you have to register your marriage first and then dissolve it. Generally speaking, those religious and customary marriages who were solemnized before the enactment of the of the Customary Marriages Act uh, had need not have been um, registered. And if they were lawfully dissolved in terms of your custom, then that would serve as a divorce. In any event, if it wasn't, in terms of of law, in terms of of the Matrimonial Property Act, it was never recognized as a valid marriage from the beginning because it wasn't registered. So the status quo maintains. I assume you want to get married again.
3: Well, not necessarily, but I just want to be free. But what I did find out uh, at some point is that my... Uh, then-husband, um, did get married, and that marriage was uh, subsequently registered. Okay. So it was mine that was never registered. So, mm-hmm.
2: Well, yeah. um, I, I would recommend, um, there is a, a lady in, in, in my practice that does deal with family law matters, and if you wanted, we could most certainly... Um, you send me an email, send Karen an email, she can forward it on to me, and we can, can at least attach some, some brief guidelines as to whether or not, A, you have to register this marriage, and B, whether you have to lawfully dissolve something which, to my view, never existed because yes. it wasn't I, registered. I, at and some point, missed.
3: I learned that there was uh, something that says, if you've been in separate, in separation with, uh, with somebody for over 10 years...
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: that marriage is and void anyway uh, because well, you haven't not not if it's a civil marriage and it's been you have to at some point you can't go off and get married again you'll be had up for bigamy so <laughs> you can't you have to get divorced regardless no, so, of how long it's been
2: yes yeah, so it's okay. I, in my view it's in the same category as the rumor that if you live together for five years or longer you're automatically married in community of property so no, I, I don't agree either. with that. <laughs> but yeah, no, but but Zodwa, yeah, it doesn't do you sound send...
1: like yours was was registered. No, and um... if he's gone off and got married again, um, it ah. doesn't sound like there was anything sort of tying you. Said almost looks like you are divorced anyway, you didn't have to do anything. But can yeah. you can you send me an email just with some more of those details on it, Sodwa? I think I would
3: like to do that. Okay,
1: the email it's law at safm.co.za. And then I will send that on to Nicolene and she'll send you some guidelines and you can just go and make some inquiries. But it doesn't sound quite as bad as you thought it was.
2: No, Let me just Uh, check on those dates. But it was either 97, 96, 97 or 98. It was in the 90s and you had 12 months from that point to register your customary marriage. And if you didn't, you were by default not married. So your children were then illegitimate in terms of law if you had any. So just
1: send us the the email with some dates of when you got married and when whatever happened in the dates. And then we'll be able to give you some more information.
2: Okay, thank you very much. Okay, it's Zodberg. a
1: pleasure. Good night. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, hopefully that will uh, make her life a little easier.
2: No, yeah, well, if, if it never existed. Well, if he's then... gone off and got married <laughs> again, I mean,
1: there must have been something. I mean, if he, didn't, if he got married, sort but, of... But hey, um, if
2: it ain't broken, well, don't fix, fix it.
1: <laughs> it. Uh, Stanley in Springs, good evening.
7: How are you? I'm ah,
1: very well, thank you. How are you?
7: I'm fine. Uh, can I please ask uh, something about uh, Will? Yes, Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I just want to know about if the parties are married in communal property. So where you find that the husband dies, mm-hmm. but so during the the, the the substance of marriage, so there was no a, a will executed. Mm-hmm. So I just want to know. So, so with 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 regard to the point of of a surviving spouse, that she, so can she inherit all this, uh, all this so estate of the of the of the, de- of the de- deceased uh,
2: spouse. Because you
1: died intestate with no
2: will. Well, um, this is my area of expertise. Let me maybe because I've said twice that it's not um, wills and estates is, is one of my my passions. Essentially, if you don't have a will, you die what we 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 call intestate, and then the the law of intestate succession applies. Now it goes along the lines of inf- uh, affinity. So. We first see if you have a surviving spouse, regardless of how you're married, if it's in community of property, 50% of the estate belongs to the surviving spouse. And we are only talking about the remaining 50 that belonged to the deceased spouse. So first things first, is there a spouse spouse? If you tick the box, yes, then everything goes to the spouse. If there's spouse and children or descendants as we properly uh, term them, then there's a bit of a calculation that needs to take place. So it's not necessarily that everything will will be transferred to the surviving spouse. If there's no surviving spouse, no kids, then it goes to to the brothers and the sisters and the mums and the dads. So it goes up the lines. So it, it really depends who survived this person and how big the estate is because that, that determines the calculation and how one actually affects it. So, report the estate and get yourself an attorney to assist the executor in the administration process. Danny, is there a wife and are there children?
7: No. So it's only just a question. As just said, um, uh, from uh, I'm at work, so we were just discussing about this. So, okay, like okay one
3: so of the,
7: yeah, well, yeah. One of the friends so was just complaining about this this whole thing. But up so far, I can understand. So the I mean, yeah uh, your point.
1: So the, the bottom line is, and this is Nicolene's favorite topic, <laughs> go out tomorrow if you don't have one and get a will done.
2: And not from the CNA. <laughs> and no, don't get the one from the CNA.
1: <laughs> you need to have a proper okay, will okay. because the, the thing is, um, um, Stanley, without a will, you can tell your friends you're discussing it with at work there, your estate will go to people that possibly you wouldn't have wanted it to go to in the first place. Yes. You, you and know, we you don't can mean decide. your spouse. No, no, no. I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. I mean, okay. hopefully, you'll leave it to your spouse. But you need to make mm-hmm. sure that it is set down in a will, sure. so that when heaven forbid something happens to you, the courts know what to do with your estate, where and, it's supposed okay. to go.
2: Also, in the instance where two, both spouses die simultaneously and they have minor children, then all your money goes to the guardians fund, and that's a state administered fund, so you don't earn any interest, and the administration is. Um, Difficult to, to cope with. Let's just say mm. that. <laughs> so, okay.
7: So may I just ask maybe a last question? Sure. Mm. So how long does it take for maybe for in case where the husband never execu- uh, executed a will just to, to, to devolve? maybe?
2: We say to clients, if you don't have a will, you can add at least 18 months to the administration process. Especially okay. if the family is large and you don't have contact with everyone then you have to advertise in the newspaper and all sorts of creative means to collect all the next of kin. And that's what makes it take so long. And in addition, it's usually a bunch of people that don't really like one another. So they fight over the little bit that they need to inherit. And that further extends the administration process. People are dealing with their grief and they're not necessarily up for for more practical things at that point. So from, from not only a practical and financial perspective, from an emotional perspective, if you don't have a will, you really make things difficult for those who are left behind.
7: Okay. It's very much important that one, so one has, to, has to make a will. One you have to make a will.
2: And once, once a year, there's a wills week that, that the Law Society runs nationally where you can go to participating attorneys and have it done for free
7: okay okay, okay. No, thank you very much for your contribution please don't
2: wait till will's week stanley yes. that's still
1: quite a long way no. away i'm <laughs> <only> in february <laughs> it's, really now it's like at the end of the year stanley so tell your friends tomorrow tomorrow they need to yeah. go and get a will do not go another day without a will please yeah one never knows eh? Hey? <laughs> okay and
7: you know, you're going to would...
1: you're going to report back stanley and, and phone us up in a couple of weeks and tell me all of you guys at work have now got a will
7: Okay, now I, 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 will just, I will just do that. So. Please, so. please do that. You'll make Nicolene very happy.
2: Yes, you'll be listening of the year.
7: Okay, now, now, now I appreciate your I appreciate contribution. So now I understand everything now.
1: Okay, great. Right. Well, I hope we've given, not just you, Stanley, it was a good point to bring up, and hopefully everybody else listening. Yes. Um Please and you don't know,
2: leave it. no, definitely. And you'll be surprised how many really, really successful and influential business people we meet on a daily basis who don't have wills. So not just are their families traumatized, their businesses are traumatized, and that which they've spent so much time and money on during their life absolutely falls to shambles.
1: Yeah, and also when you have a will, that's not the end of the story. Every time circumstances change,
2: you have to change your it. will
1: as well. So please bear that in mind. It's a, we need to do a whole show on wills, Nicolene, I think, that. because we need to get people geared up in their minds in the right place. They have to have a will. Definitely. Well, my thanks once again this evening to Nicoline Schumann, owner and founder of Schumann Attorneys, Conveyances and Notaries Public Practicing here in Cape Town. And she's been my guest on tonight's edition of the Law Report program. Nicoline once again, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me. As always, it's been fun.
1: We'll be running legal clinics like this one on the second Monday of every month, and Nicolene will be back with us again on Monday the 11th of March. The Law Report is on the air on SAFM every Monday evening between 9 and 10, and good news, great news, in next week's law program, we'll be talking tax with Mark on of SARS. So if you have any questions about anything to do with your tax, join us next week on The Law Report. That's Monday the 18th of February. And I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening just after 9 with our monthly phone in on health matters and this month we'll be talking about anything to do with your teeth with Dr. Mark Sher. So join me for that.